Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dean Friel, and I have with me today a very special guest, the inventor of the Elam ending, Nick Elam. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Nick, it's been a couple of years now since TBT first utilized the Elam ending in the 2017 Jamboree, and I'm just curious like, what your take is in terms of how it's been received and how it's been used so far. I think it's really done a great job of meeting its primary aims. Uh, again, the, the main aims are just really to not change basketball, but really to do the opposite, to preserve a more natural style of play through the end of every game, give us more real basketball during crunch time, and to see the, the format really be effective in addressing deliberate fouling by trailing defenses, address stalling by leading offenses, address those rushed and sloppy possessions that we often see by trailing offenses uh, to provide greater hope for late comebacks as long as a team can get defensive stops, they're still in the game. And then also to provide more memorable game-ending moments to do all those things and then even to address a handful of uh, secondary aims that's really been a thrill to see it go from paper to the court and really work well and now think about ways to make the format even better. So uh, to see uh, continued use of it and for TBT to bring it back for 2019, that's, again, the, the best endorsement that the format can get. Nick, give us a quick rundown of what the idea is and, and how it works. Yeah, so the idea in a nutshell is just that you play most of the game with a clock and then you play the last part of the game without a clock. And the idea is that you, you get rid of uh, those incentives for strategies to manipulate the clock. Well, that begs two questions right off the bat, which is when do you shut off the clock and then what do you play to? And those settings would vary based on the league or the event. For TBT, uh, up to this point, TBT has cut out the last four minutes of the game and then set a target score equal to the leading team's score plus seven. Now going into 2019, uh, instead of using plus seven, they're going to use plus eight. That's great. Nick, as you mentioned, you're going to a plus eight for 2019 as opposed to plus seven as it was in the previous versions. Can you talk a little bit about why it is that we're we're going to a plus eight for that untimed portion of the ELAM ending? Yeah. So the fun part is now seeing the, the format in action and being able to dive in and look and see exactly how it's working. So there's a lot of different ways you could measure um, the ideal amount of time, I guess you would say, during that untimed final stretch of the game. I think the most straightforward way is to just uh, really look kind of at the uh, theoretical game time that's elapsing during that final stretch. And if TBT is cutting out the last four minutes of the game, then we want to get about four minutes of game time back uh, during that final stretch. Now, so far, what we're seeing with the plus seven is that it's closer to about three minutes of action that we're getting closer to three minutes than four minutes. So that provides an opportunity for TBT to kind of beef up that final stretch of the game, bump it up a little bit. This year, they're going to bump it up to plus eight, get it closer uh, to replacing that four minutes that we're cutting out of the game. So, um, you know, again, whether it's plus eight, plus nine, whether, whatever the right number is, um, you know, there's some tinkering left to do, but that's what's fun about this is trying to find the perfect uh, settings for TBT. So we'll try out plus eight in 2019. And I think it's going to be really interesting uh, from a lot of different standpoints. I mean, one is just you're getting more action during that final stretch of the game. But then also, if you think about it from a leading team's perspective, OK, they're going into that final stretch. They're eight points away now. Uh, do they try to get there in just three scores? Well, if you do that, you're going to have to hit a couple of three-pointers. And if you get cold from the outside, that really leaves you vulnerable to uh, having 
your opponent come back on you. So, uh, or so if you don't go with that strategy, you're going to commit yourself that we're going to have to score four times to get those eight points. It's going to be really interesting to see just in that one point difference, how that affects strategy late in games here in 2019. There's a couple other changes this year, Nick, as well, specifically with respect to when a free throw counts towards the target score. Can you walk us through those ones as well? Yeah. So again, the the time portion of the game ends with that first stoppage under four minutes of the game. So we saw several games last year where that first stoppage under four minutes just happened to be a shooting foul. And if it's the leading team that's going to the line, you know, with that plus seven model, they if they make one or two free throws, they could, you know, they could theoretically close to within five points of the target score before live ball play ever resumes. And there was something a little bit unsatisfying about that. So I think TBT is making a great change this year where if that first stoppage under four minutes happens to be a shooting foul, we'll go ahead and administer the free throws first and then set that target score afterwards. So uh, you're still going to get that full amount of action uh, during that final stretch. So again, I think that's also going to lead to even more excitement late in games, uh, lead to more comebacks than we're already seeing. And we've already seen some pretty unbelievable comebacks in, in these Elam ending games. So again, just some of those small uh, tweaks that, you know, diehard fans will notice. Uh, casual fans might not even quite notice that that difference just yet. But, uh, you know, again, that just goes along with some of the tinkering to make this format even better. Nick, how did it feel last year to see this idea that you had many years ago implemented uh, in an event like TBT played before a worldwide audience? Uh, it was an unbelievable thrill to see this format come to life. Uh, really a dream come true to see this played at such a high level. I mean, we're, we're talking about some just unbelievable talent uh, on the court and such a well-run event like TBT uh, all the way down to, you know, to the officiating, to, you know, to hear some of my favorite broadcasters uh, praising the Elam ending. So to see it played on a big stage is really cool. And I knew that you know, once the tournament was over, that I was really going to dive in and, and, and dig into the numbers. But I wanted to give my chance or myself a chance to just enjoy the format play out like a fan. So that's why it was important for me to try to go around to as many venues as I could and see the format play out in action. I wanted to see uh, just what was the feel in the arena. And especially for some of these games that come down to like a sudden death situation, you know, what does it feel like? What's the excitement like uh, when that winning shot is made? It was very important for me to see really reaffirming for me that a lot of these games have come down to a sudden death situation. Even a lot of games that are decided by four points or more, they really still have that look and that feel and that sound of a buzzer beater when that final shot goes through the net. And so that's why I say I really think the Elam ending is a way that we can keep and enhance all the things that we already enjoy about late game play in basketball but we can still eliminate or alleviate all the things that we don't enjoy. So uh, it was really a thrill for me to see how well the format worked uh, in 2018, and that's why I'm looking forward to 2019. What was the best Elam ending that you saw last year, not in terms of strategy? Uh, I'll ask you about that in a second, but just in terms of being a fan, which one did you enjoy the most? One thing that I think is just so cool is this, uh, this just the notion that you're still in a game as long as you can continue to get defensive stops. You, you really do control your own fate under the Elam ending. So one game that was played out in Columbus was a game, uh, it was primetime players against the Bradley alumni team, always a brave. And so going into the Elam ending, 
always a brave was leading 59 to 50. So we're playing to 66. And later on, the score got to be 64 to 57. Again, we're playing to, to 66. So primetime players, their backs up are really up against the wall there. Uh, but then they go on an 11 nothing run at that point and, and win it on a three-pointer. Uh, that was just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, again, I think we're going to see those kinds of comebacks. That they're, because, again, when you're trailing – uh, it's still tough to complete a comeback. I don't know if we're necessarily going to see an avalanche of additional comebacks, but you always control your fate as long as you can continue to get stops. And that's exactly what primetime players did in that game. And we saw an unbelievable com- comeback. And that was just one of several that we saw in 2018. Having seen all these games in person and obviously having now reviewed all of them as you do uh, after the tournament had ended, are there any instances of elementing execution that stand out as particularly poor where they didn't do a great job? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, I don't, I don't know if I saw necessarily any glaring, um, poor strategy. I do notice that a lot of times, uh, trailing teams kind of resort to, uh, chucking threes during that untimed portion. I'm not sure that that's the way to go. Now that's not, even if you consider that to be a flaw, that's not, that wouldn't be a new flaw under the, the regular time format in basketball we see uh trailing teams kind of desperately chucking threes late in games anyway but under the elam ending where you don't you're not up against that uh clock i think you still even if you're trailing i still think it's in your best interest to get your best look try to get the ball inside try to get a good look and don't just hoist up threes uh during that untimed portion because especially if if uh if you miss, then I think you leave yourself very vulnerable to a run out. We saw some of that in 2018 where, you know, if you're if somebody's closing out on an outside jump shooter and they miss that three, then that can lead to a run out. And so, again, I think if you're trailing, don't rely totally on the three. Still try to get the ball inside to uh, chip away. Nick, I want to run through a couple of strategy scenarios with you. So you just give us your opinion about what you would do uh, in these scenarios. The first one is you've got the ball, you're up three with 4.02 on the game clock. If, if I have a lead and I have the ball, then I'm going to take a timeout the first opportunity I can as the clock ticks under four. So in that case, I would, I would uh, let the clock tick down a couple seconds and I would take the timeout the first opportunity I get. Okay, so you're up three without the ball, you're on defense. What would you do? I would go ahead and let the possession play out. I know we saw a few times... Uh, where a team would, you know, foul deliberately there, but I don't, I don't think you want to do that. I think um, go ahead and, and play the possession out, uh, and again, whether it ends up in a score, whether it ends up with a turnover or a rebound, whatever it is, then go ahead and call the timeout. But I would not, I would not foul deliberately there, even though we saw uh, just a, a few teams do that in 2018. Okay, you're down three with the ball. What would you do there? Down three, down three with the ball, and uh, what what stage of the game? Four o two, say same same time frame. Oh. Four o two. Then I'm going to go ahead and try to score there. Um, I'm I'm not going to call timeout. I'm going to go ahead and try to score, and uh, you know see if I can close that gap, even if the gap's fairly narrow like that. Okay, down three without the ball. What do you do there? Down. Yeah three without ball that again um yeah if i'm if i'm on defense and um 
then you know if I'm down, then I don't I don't want to initiate the untimed portion of the game any earlier than I have to. So so if I'm if I'm down and if I'm playing defense as we get to that four minute mark, I'm just going to try to get a stop and then uh, and then try to score on the other end too if if play is still continuing. All right, let's go with another one. So so for me, I think uh, just in a nutshell, you know. I'm, I'm basing my strategy right around that four minute mark on whether I have the lead or not. And if I have the lead, then I'm going to try to call timeout once I have possession. If I'm down, though, then I'm going to try to keep getting scores and stops until, uh, you know, the whistle works against me there. OK, say that you're down 10 and you're about to enter that untimed portion. Would you consider following then the say the opponent has had five straight trips down the court? And they've scored on all, all five of those, of those trips. Um, would you consider following then in order to kind of stop the bleeding and make it uh, not, the gap not as wide? No, I don't think you want to initiate. If you're down, especially if, if the deficit's pretty wide like that, I don't think you want to get to the untimed final stretch any earlier than you have to. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't foul deliberately if I'm if I'm down under any circumstance. So one one thing that was interesting is in all of the 71 games uh, that we saw in TBT 2018, there was only one game out of 71 where a trailing team fouled uh, deliberately. And that was actually during the untimed final stretch. And so, again, I, I think that's why Elam ending has been effective in addressing deliberate fouling. And even if there's even if it ever became a common strategy, there's a way to address it more. But one one thing that's really interesting is that I hear uh, some people raise a concern that the Elam ending would just lead to team trailing teams fouling as the time portion of the game winds down. You know, say at the six minute mark or the five minute mark, you would start fouling to try to chip away. But I, I just don't think that that's a good strategy by any means because you're more likely to widen your deficit there. Because, uh, again, you're essentially handing away free points there. So I don't think that uh, deliberate fouling is the way to go. You know, if under the regular time format that we see, you know, in NBA and NCAA, you have to del- foul deliberately because you don't have any other option. The clock's going to run out on you and you're going to lose the game. But, uh, you know, 80 percent of the time when you do that, you maintain or widen your deficit. So it's really a counterproductive strategy. The Elam ending gives you you know, a whole other option. You don't have to do that. You can play legitimate defense. And I just, I just don't think that uh, fouling deliberately when you're down is uh, is a good strategy. Nick, over the last couple of years, obviously this idea has gone from one that's been on paper to one that's actually been implemented in TBT. And I was hoping you could just take a couple of minutes and tell us about a little about how your life has changed over the last couple of years since the ELAM ending has come into effect in TBT. Yeah. So some of the, you know, Exciting opportunities. It's always exciting. Uh, you know, I've been invited twice now to uh, discuss the Elam ending and deliver a presentation about the Elam ending at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, and that's a you know very prestigious conference. And so to be able to you know have thirty minutes up there on the uh, on the stage to talk about this concept that I've uh, devised has really been a thrill. But then just uh, you know hearing. People discuss the idea, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of unexpectedly turning on, pardon the interruption and hearing uh, people talk about it as, as, you know, talk about the Elam ending is really cool or, uh, you know, on, on Get Up or whatever, Jalen and Jacoby or different different shows like that outside the lines to, to hear them uh, talk about the Elam ending is really cool. And then also just to have 
the opportunity to share uh, and discuss the concept in my own words and have some some really cool interviews with uh, writers who I've always respected, like uh, Zach Lowe or Joe Posnanski, Jeff Passan, Jeff Eisenberg. Um, you know, just some, I know I'm, I'm leaving out a few here because um, again, at this point, um, I mean, it's been dozens and dozens, probably close to a hundred different interviews that I've done for different radio shows and podcasts about the concept. And so that, and, and I, I love discussing it, um, you know, every time it's just, it's just a thrill uh, to be able to uh, discuss the concept. I think one of the coolest things that's going to happen this year in TPT, Nick, is that the official TPT game ball is going to have your signature on it. It's going to say uh, TPT, is, it's going to have the TPT logo, and it's going to say all games must end on a made basket, and it's going to have your signature. And I was hoping you can kind of tell us how that feels. That's really hallowed ground. It's usually only commissioners and, and folks like that that have their signatures on the game balls. Well, there is no question that that is a huge thrill. So I, I just cannot wait. I mean, I've seen the uh, prototype or whatever you would call it, but uh, I, I can't wait to see it in action. Um, and I know I've got uh, a few people who are near and dear to me who I want to make sure uh, get one as a keepsake, and uh, I'll certainly, I certainly want one as a keepsake for myself. But that is gonna—that's one of the coolest things for sure that has happened in this entire journey of uh, seeing this concept come to life. That's great. Nick, I want to thank you again for your time. Remember that you can see the Elam ending all across TPT this summer uh, on the ESPN family of networks, including the championship game on Tuesday, August 6th, live on ESPN main network. Nick, are we going to see you in Chicago this year? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Columbus the first weekend because I've got to see, uh, you know, that's the closest. Oh, we didn't even talk about this, the Dayton team. But, but then I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's another big thrill. Maybe the second biggest thrill is to see a Dayton alumni team for sure. So, you know, I'm a diehard Dayton Flyers fan. And now that I live in central Indiana and work for Ball State University, I drive two hours each way just to see uh, Dayton games. And I've traveled all, all over the country to follow them. They've got such a great following. Uh, and uh, and so that's going to be a thrill for me to see some of these players who I've followed closely throughout their career now come together for an alumni team. So I'll be there in Columbus. And, uh, you know, up to this point in TBT, I've tried to stay pretty neutral and try to get rid of any rooting interest. But uh, I'll just put it out there now that I'm going to be rooting for Red Scare here in 2019. <laughs> well, that's but great. And uh, once I heard about how uh, just crazy people in uh, Wichita are for TBT, that they've really caught TBT fever. I, I'm making it a point to get out to Wichita for the second weekend. And then, yes, I will be in Chicago uh, for championship week, August 1st through 6th. That's awesome. Nick, enjoy the games. Uh, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon to uh, to talk about how the e-limiting went in 2019. Thank you.